it's inspiration for you. We're enlarging worlds with growth stories. Listen your way. Tune in for fresh stories brought to you by Unit for Hosts. Join us for this week's inspiration for you. Hello all and welcome to this episode of Inspiration for You, the podcast from people at Unit 4. Today we will be your hosts. My name is Anna Duarte and I'm a project management officer based in Lisbon. Here with me is Mariana Machado, a consultant also working at the GSD. We will be talking about ableism, what it entails and what can we individually and companies do to avoid it and to make workplaces more inclusive. So Mariana, thank you for joining us today. Can you please tell us what is ableism? What does it entail exactly? Sure, and I thank you for the intro. So ableism is basically discrimination against people with disabilities. So here we are talking about physical, intellectual and invisible disabilities. When I talk about invisible disabilities, I mean conditions such as autism. So this can be also understood as a rejection of physical or intellectual variants as a normal part of human existence. So I know that probably all of you have heard about other isms, such as racism, sexism. Well, ableism is relatively new. Uh, so it is believed to have appeared in the 80s in the US during the disability rights movement. So, yeah, it's basically the discrimination against people with disabilities. And we are talking about here around 15% of the world's population as any form of disability. That's one billion of people. And disability is still a taboo because, well, people have some misconceptions about it. And the fact that this misconception exists brings us some devastating consequences at the socioeconomic level, also at the health level. So I think, in my opinion, this is very important to be discussed. Furthermore, I am a person with a disability. I was born with cerebral palsy. So cerebral palsy is a condition that affects your brain, and in my case, it affects my mobility. So I walk funny, as people used to say. So during my life, I thought I was alone in this struggle, you know. I didn't know the concept of ableism. I know that there was discrimination, but I didn't understand that there was a concept called ableism and that, and that I could be ableist myself. So this is a very important concept to be discussed. I completely agree. I think you are absolutely right about that. And as you've said, 15% of the world population is very significant. We're talking about um, a large number of people being affected by such attitudes. But what do people often get wrong about ableism? What do we still don't know about this? Okay, so I can give you some examples. Ableism is very much ingrained in our society. We can refer to it as structural ableism because our society is not cannot adapt to people with disabilities, unfortunately. So the first example that I can give you is accessibility. So here we are talking about physical barriers. Imagine a person using a wheelchair and sometimes that person cannot access to buildings because there are no ramps. 
We can also talk about Braille. People who do not see, so people, blind people, they need some a sort of adaptations to actually uh, perform some basic tasks. And usually the, those adaptations don't exist. So we have a big problem with accessibility. Another example that I can give you is the ableist language. So when we refer, when we use some words such as incapable, cripple, we uh, refer to people with disabilities as poor people, and we use conditions as an insult. For example, in the case of invisible disabilities, we have autism, and autism sometimes is used as an insult, and that has devastating consequences because we are only created a bigger gap and we are reinforcing stereotypes and we are not regarding disabled people as people because that's, that's the baseline, that's the most important thing. People with disabilities are people just like everyone else. So, of course, adaptations are needed. But if you look closer, everyone needs adaptations at some level. No one is perfect. So the, the most important thing is to treat disabled people as people and don't do things like victimization. So some people think that people with disabilities were some, uh, at some kind of punishment in their lives. And that is also wrong. So no one asked to be disabled. I didn't ask to be disabled. I don't know. I, I, so that, that's something that people need to understand. So disability happens. No one asks to be disabled. So there's no point in victimize people with disabilities because uh, it will make them feel that they are victims as well. And that's not, the, that's not empowering. So people with disabilities are just as capable as people without disabilities. Another example that I can give you is that uh, sometimes people with disabilities are treated as children. For instance, I'm 28 years old, but sometimes I go to public places and people say, uh, see that I'm limping so that I walk funny and they started talking to me as I was eight years old. And that is wrong because I'm an adult. I am not, not a child anymore. So, okay, let's treat children like children and adults like adults. It's, it's the, the same logic as we use for other people, for people without disabilities. Another thing is that sometimes people stare. And I think the staring for me, it's okay because maybe it's the first time that that person sees a person with a disability, but the problem is when uh, people stop uh, me in the street and they ask, what happened to you? Okay, so I call this endless curiosity. I, I get the I get that. I mean, people can be curious and it's, it's all right to ask uh, if you know that person, okay? And if that person with a disability is ready and feels comfortable to share with you what happened to the to them okay but if you don't know the person please don't stop that person in the street and ask what happened to you because that's not what you will do to any other person other i have many many examples here <laughs> <laughs> but another i think this is a 
very relevant example as well is that people with disabilities are usually seen as inspiration or heroes. The problem is the following. If we think that a person with a disability is a hero because they go to a school, that, that's a big problem because we are assuming that that person should be in school at the first place. Or that, we, that we can't expect that from them, which is wrong, obviously. Yeah, 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 that's exactly it. So, yes, you can be inspired for something that people with disabilities say, but please don't be inspired for something that is normal and is expected, like going to school, going shopping, uh, and, and stuff like that, that everyone does. Exactly. Yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from and from the various examples uh, that you gave us here, things that situations, um, uh, daily day-to-day -day situations that you illustrate, we can understand that there's still a lot to be done. But we also realize that there are consequences of these attitudes. Can you tell us what are these exactly? What do these attitudes and behavior represent to those with disability yes. and to yes. those with the, with, that do not have one? Yeah. So first, for people with disabilities, the social exclusion. So people are often excluded from their communities, from the society in general, and this can cause uh, mental and physical health issues. Mental issues because, you know, uh, the human being needs to have some sort of social interaction. If that doesn't happen, then it creates a problem for the people who are excluded. And also physical health issues. I'll give you an example for ex exercise. So sports, people think that people with disabilities should not do sports. Some people uh, think that. And it's wrong because people with disabilities, of course, with all the adaptations, need to uh, exercise as much as uh, people without disabilities should do. So also in terms of poverty, so... It is said that people with disabilities have low employment rate that leads to, to poverty. So that, that is a very bad consequence. As for people without disabilities, so we are reinforcing stereotypes. And uh, we should keep in mind that I hope this, well, doesn't happen to anyone, but disability actually can happen to anyone. And and you, you will need some adaptations in life when you are older so please please don't reinforce stereotypes and and don't create this gap between people with disabilities and people without disabilities because it does not make sense we are all people and we can learn with each other that's that that's a very important thing we you, there's no difference we are all human beings of course uh, and there is something very interesting there that you mentioned and that we often don't think about. We many times disregard the fact or don't take into consideration the fact that disability can be acquired or can be it's something that can happen later in in life and can happen to all of us we sometimes naturally assume or perceive disability as something that you are born with and it's not always like that so perhaps we should all be a bit more sensitive to the fact that we can all get it at some point in life or the ones close to us and it is really clear for 
from everything that you explained here that there's still so much to be done to make not only the world but workplaces, schools everywhere really uh, a bit more inclusive and to decrease inequality everywhere. But tell us, how can we avoid this? How can we change these attitudes and behavior? What can we do better? Okay, I think this one is very simple. We we just have to treat people as people. <laughs> we acknowledge the differences. We should acknowledge their differences. We should acknowledge the adaptations needed. But we should treat people as treat as people. You should. We should treat them as we would like to be treated in the first place. So this seems very simple, but I know that this. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to put in practice because we have this education. We, during our lives, and including myself, I didn't ha I didn't know this con concept of ableism. And I I can tell you, I'm ableist myself because sometimes I victimize myself. Sometimes I look at the other people with disabilities because disability, well. There are many types of disabilities and I have some thoughts that are not correct. So I'm doing this work myself as well, because during my education, I had no contact with people with disabilities. I was the only one <laughs> in, in school having a disability, you know. So also for me, it's a work that I have, that I have to do to actually break the stereotypes and starting treating people as people, as, as anyone else. And I would like to give you some other examples that I think that are relevant, that really are creating more barriers to the disabled community. So one of them is to assume that a person with disability doesn't want a family. So this happens quite a lot. We and and happened to me as well when I went to a specific doctor, and it is assumed that people with disabilities cannot have kids, which is not the case. So, people with disabilities have the same rights as everyone else can have a family as as everyone else. And another thing is touching people without consent. So, if we see a person with a disability in the street, we are not going to touch at that person without consent. So this happens a lot with people using wheelchairs because people tend to, to think that those people need some extra help, which is not always the case. So let's stop touching people without consent, like, <laughs> like we do with other people. <laughs> and, and finally, the lack of representation in the media is so... It's so important to have representation because, you know, it is part of our education. When, I, when we are growing up, we need to see people with disabilities in the media. We need to of see course. people with disabilities in the politics, in politics as well, in, in schools. We need to see more people with disabilities. People cannot be hidden. Yes. It's 15% of the world population, so it needs proper representation. It needs to be, I mean, the scenarios need to be diverse to accommodate for all of that. And really, as you were saying, 
perhaps lack of education, condescending attitudes and uh, lack of representation and visibility promote and prolong misconceptions, misbehavior and preconceived ideas that are otherwise incorrect and that we still uh, perpetuate generation um, over generation. So this is something that needs to change. It starts from us, it starts from government, uh, governments, but companies also have a role in this. What about the companies then? What can be done to make workplaces more inclusive? Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Companies play a big role in making workplaces inclusive. And the first thing is accessibility. So we need to make sure that offices or workplaces in general are accessible to everyone. So we are talking about ramps, we're talking about adapted toilets, we are talking about equipments for blind people, for instance. And the, the baseline here is that companies should treat employees like any other employees and to they should be open to adapt at the same time because that is flexibility as well. Flexibility is is very much referred today in companies. So that is flexibility. So if the employee needs a certain adaptation, so the company should provide that and should not assume anything. So you should not assume that because that person has a physical or invisible disability, that he or she cannot perform any, any of the tasks quicker than any other employee. So you should not assume those kind of things. You, a company should be open and provide the adaptations uh, needed for the specific employee and make sure that there is a safe space where the employee can say, okay, I need these adaptations. And this can also be in the recruitment process where the company can add a box just asking if the applicant needs some kind of adaptations to go to the interview, for instance. Of course, now inclusion should start from the beginning, from the recruitment process. And as you've said here before, disability is often associated with mobility, which is not always the case. There are invisible types of disability, but that still reflect in the workplaces and in other areas. So companies should accommodate for that as well and make sure they provide all the tools, circumstances and conditions for employees to feel welcome and to to feel in a safe uh, and welcoming work environment. Um, I understand what you've said about providing the proper working spaces and conditions with adaptations to, to the, the spaces that they provide to their employees and to their guests that often visit, because we also have to refer to that. Are there any suggestions in particular for disabled people that have something different than mobility uh, difficulties? Well, um, yeah, I agree with you. I assume that you're talking about uh, invisible disabilities or even intellectual disabilities. I think all disabilities are different. I cannot, I cannot list the adaptations that people with invisible disabilities or intellectual disabilities might need because it's up to them to say what they need. So the, the important thing is for the companies to create a safe uh, space for them to say what they need and 
to not uh, discriminate people because people are often afraid of saying that they have an invisible disability. Take autism, for example. Autism has been so misrepresented in our society. People are using autistic as an insult. So people with autism are can be afraid of expressing themselves, of saying, okay, I'm autistic and I need adaptations because I'm very sensitive to sound that can happen. But, but as I said, all the disabilities are different. Like people are different. Even people with autism can have different needs. So it's up to the company to create a safe space for them to tell what they need, what they are comfortable with. Okay, that is great. I completely understand um, where you're coming from with all of this. And I think you provided uh, very useful insights, useful tips that we should all pay close attention to. I think it's fair to say it has been very informative and very enlightening for all of us. But just one last question, if you allow me. If we all want to know more about this topic, where can we get information? Are there any books or websites you recommend? Yes, I would recommend going to the World Bank website and to the topic of disability inclusion. You can find there are many reports and media about this topic and about the also the impact that COVID-19 had on disability. You also can go to the Disability Visibility Project. So it's disabilityvisibilityproject.com. And there you can find many, you can find information about people with disabilities and their experiences. As for Instagram, there's a very well-known influencer called Sophie Butler. So her Instagram is Sophie J. Butler. And she has an acquired disability. And every Sunday she posts information about how can we uh, make this society more inclusive. As for documentaries, I totally recommend you Creep Camp. It was produced by the Obamas and it shows a, a summer camp that happened in the US and also the disability rights movement in the US as well. So I totally re recommend those resources. Thank you, Mariana. Uh, we definitely have here food for thought and things to follow up on. But today we finish here with your recommendations. This is the end of um, today's episode, but we will be continuing our conversations every fortnight with guests talking about different people and topics from leadership to personal and professional growth, mental health and people-driven technology. Join us again next time. And if you feel curious and interested interested in knowing a bit more about any of these matters, you can always listen to our previous episodes. Thanks again for listening and thank you, Mariana, for sharing your time and your thoughts on this. Thank, thank you all. Thank you, Anna.